Now, I don't know how much of this I'm going to get through because, but we, I will expound on it next time I'm up, which is probably going to be very, very, very soon. But um, the Lord's been speaking to me about um, Ephesians 4.11. And we'll, I'll just go through, a, I'll go through a couple of these scriptures. I don't know how much of it I'll get through right now, as I just said. But uh, can you put up Genesis 3, chapter 8 for me, Ben? Okay, um, let's all read this together. You know that I'm in the habit of doing this. I actually felt it very beneficial last time. How many people were here on Sunday afternoon? I spoke on Sunday afternoon and I made everyone read through the Scriptures and I actually felt it was super beneficial reading through them. I actually felt edified by hearing those come out. So let's just read this together. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Oh dear, why did they hide themselves? Someone shout out, let's make it interactive. <coughs> why? Because they were what? They were naked, but why were they naked? How did they know that? They had just, yes, they, oh gosh, did you hear that? The zip, that was awesome. Uh, that, that was so fitting, I just thought, okay. Um, they had just fallen, that wasn't a good thing. How many of you know that there would, uh, that before they fell, that it would have been normal for them to walk with God in the call of the, call of the day? It would have been, there would have been a normal thing to happen. And this is really interesting. I've been, I've been researching the fivefold ministry for many, many years now. And I've had a um, healthy interest in what the fivefold ministry is actually designed to do and what it looks like when it's done well and what it looks like when it's not done well. I'll tell you the reason that I have such a keen interest in the fivefold ministry is because part of my original design is I am actually part of the fivefold ministry. I, I am a fivefold prophet, I know I am, and I primarily know that I am a fivefold prophet because my design is to help people hear the voice of the Lord. That is my primary, I want to equip people to hear the voice of the Lord. I also want to equip people to prophesy well or prophesy. And so because I like to do those things, my collar's up, isn't it? I, you, we should have a special mirror here as well. <laughs> um, so, so, I, so I've had a healthy interest in it. Um, but what's happened over the years is I've had some experiences where people, I would say that there's been people that have over the years had a level, and I'm not thinking of anyone in particular, had a level of prominence in the fivefold ministry have maybe, in my opinion now that I've done more research and spent more time journeying into what, the, what good fruit is of a fivefold minister, I've noticed that some of the fruit doesn't necessarily fit to what I used to believe. Is that okay? Not thinking of anyone in particular, but I think that's really important. So, so the reason I say that is because I believe that over the years there is, and we've talked about this at length, but I believe that there has been a tainting of particular ministry gifts over the years. And as a result, what's happened is that there have become un, unclean trading floors have come in. And so, for example, I'm a prophet. If I um, invite you to my church, I get to come and prophesy at your church. But what if that prophetic minister doesn't have a word for that church? Does that, does that make sense? I was talking about this at length today actually with somebody and we were talking about what it looks like to, pro I was actually speaking to some of, our, some of our friends in New Zealand and we were talking about what it looks like to actually carry the word of the Lord. And I was saying that there's no point in trying to get invited somewhere as a minister if you're not carrying a word or something significant for that place. What you're actually doing is creating a pathway or a career path 
which God might not actually be on. And I'm not gonna focus or hone in on that, but I do believe that that's really important as we move forward, as we start to talk about or look at some of the things that, that pertain to the fivefold ministry. Now, let's read about the fivefold ministry before we start dismantling the whole thing and, and everyone leaves going, wow, I can't believe that church. No, I'm just joking, no one thinks that. Because this, is got, this church has got some of the best preaching in the world, in my opinion. And the, it's true, and this is a true, and a true story is before I came to this church, about seven years ago, um, one of my favourite preachers in the world was Todd. It really, he really was. He'd be like, I would listen to three people and Todd was one, because I just love the way that he preaches. Okay, cool. So let's look at Ephesians 4, 7 to 13, please. And thanks, Ben, so much. We're going to do this together. We can all read this together. So why don't you start at but to each So just remember that before we move into verse 11 now, just remember that before verse 11, that is the, fra- that is the framework of what we come, we come to know now as the fivefold ministry. And so from verse 11 now, so just remember that that's all, that's all based, or basically that's the framework or that's what we get to frame up what we're gonna move into now for the equipping of the saints of the work of the ministry. And that is what? For he gave some apostles, some as prophets, Good, okay, let's leave it there. That's good. Awesome. So did you guys, so what's really interesting in that then is, should we kill a few sacred cows first? Where did it say fivefold ministry? It's not even in the Bible, so there's no such thing. Okay, there we go. <laughs> True story, it was, it was made up. So there's no such thing as fivefold ministry. It's something that a man decided to say. What it, <laughs> Okay, it's true. Um, what, what, the, what these offices are called are ascension gifts or ascension offices. So the fivefold, and I'll use fivefold because why not? Because we've been using it for years. But the fivefold is effectively the ascension gifts of Christ. So when Christ ascended, he gave gifts unto men. And these are the gifts that he's talking about are the five gifts to the church. He gave the gifts to the church. So when someone is preordained or predestined to hold an ascension office, they are actually a gift to the church to do what? To equip the church for the work of the ministry. That is the sole reason, and this is, the, and I'm not triggered in any way, um, but that's the sole reason that these gifts are given. The sole reason it is not, these gifts aren't given for me to do so well preaching at your church as a fivefold minister that you get me back and I get more ministry. That is not, the goal effectively is to make myself redundant because it's to equip the saints 
for the work of the ministry so that I don't need to. So if my primary is to help people hear the voice of the Lord and you hear the voice of the Lord clearly, then I'm done. Why do I need to then teach you to hear the, Lord, uh, the Word of the Lord again? Now I know that there are different facets and different levels in teaching and equipping and all those. Uh, I don't think that you can do, I don't believe that it will be easy for an Ascension office holder to do themselves out of a job while we're on the earth, just to let you know. But I do believe that if we can come in with that kind of understanding, that we can start to see that, that, that God gave these gifts with an end in mind, not for the, not for the minister, and this is where we've got all stuck, not for the minister, but for those receiving the ministry or the equipping, for the end in mind. And this is really, really important. Okay, so we know that, hmm, okay, okay, okay. yes, Lord. <laughs> okay, um, when we're talking about the old covenant, um, in the book of Hebrews chapter eight, I won't go overly into this now, um, just because, because it, just for the time's sake, it's already already pressing in. But it says this. In, let's let's do Hebrews chapter eight verse eleven, and I'll just do three verses from it instead of the full ten that I had. Just quickly, if you can do that, Ben. And so Hebrews chapter eight, um, and this is quoting again from the book of Jeremiah. And in the book of Jeremiah, um, we know that it's, uh, God's talking about the new covenant to Jeremiah, and this is one of the prophecies about the new covenant. Um, in Jeremiah 31, 33 to 34. But it says this, and let's all read it together. And they shall not teach everyone his fellow citizen and everyone his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all will know me, from the least of them to the greatest. Keep going. Yep. Now this is really, really interesting. I believe that what has happened or what starts to happen is we have over the years started to lean back into a more old covenant dynamic when we've been all about equipping the saints. You see, as equipping the saints, I know that's a big statement, you're you trying to bring people back under the Lord? No, let me finish for a second. I believe that where it says the old covenant was now made obsolete, I believe that what we, God wanted was for us to equip people into the fullness of their new creation in Christ. And when we don't do that, it, we create a new level of reliance again on what? On the old, on me, on people, on man, on priests, on look at me and you will learn rather than look to God and let me teach you how to hear him. And this is part of what God wants to do in this season. He wants to teach us how to apprehend the new thing, the next thing, the thing that He's already done in us, which is Christ in us, the hope of glory. And as we start to get equipped in that, it, with a full functioning fivefold ministry, as it were, we start to see the displacement of principalities and powers. We start to see demons flee. We start to see healing truly manifest in and through the body. We start to see a whole body able to hear the voice of the Lord. We start to see a whole body able to prophesy. We start to see a whole body being able to move with the sevenfold Spirit of the Lord. We start to see a whole body not just saying, how do you move with angels? But we start to see a whole body learning about what it is to partner with the angelic hosts assigned to their church or their ministry or their house. What does it look like for people to not look to ministers anymore and say, oh, I wish I was like Rachel. I wish I was like, I wish, even though everyone probably does wish they were like you, Rachel. Um, 
Oh, I wish I was like, oh, if only, I, you know, for years and years, people used to say to me, I wish I could hear God's voice like you. And I'm like, you can. Just stop doing all this junk and just focus in on the Word. Does that make sense? So, so, so I feel like this is what God wants to bring us into now is instead of looking at all these ministers and going, oh, they were so good. Even the, the cloud of witnesses, they were the high watermark. What if we the high watermark? What if they were the first fruits showing us what's possible in Christ when we look to them, when we say, I wanna be equipped to do the same things as Catherine Corman. I wanna be equipped to do the same things as John G. Lake. I wanna be equipped to do the same things as Jesus. And that's actually who, he says that anyone knows me, they will do the things that I did and do even greater things because I go to the Father. But let me tell you this right now, we've been having prophecies about the season of the greater things. In fact, you could go to a conference now I'm angry. My ruler came out and I haven't seen him for years. Um, <laughs> he is there. But you could go to a conference and pay $120 and it could be called the season of the greater things and you would not be equipped one iota in moving in the greater things. You would just hear a, uh, okay. It's true. Why? Because I was on the conference circuits for years and years and years and years and years and my equipping level was very, very, very low in terms of what I received but I paid good money and I enjoyed the words and they were great. But let me tell you this, all that it, all when I left the conference, all I wanted to do was book in for the next conference. Why? To hear the next revelation, to be with the next man of God, to see the next woman of God, to get to the next thing. I need to go to the next conference. Someone lend me a hundred bucks. I've got to get there. I can't make it. And you know what that is? That's not God. That's not how he works. True apostolic ministry. I spent some time once with David Hogan. I know many of you guys have spent time with uh, many apostles, but David Hogan is a true apostle. He really is. And I remember spending time with David Hogan. And after spending time with him, after he rebuked me twice, which is just, just, just my lucky day. Um, but after he rebuked me a couple of times, I just remember being in his presence. And all I wanted to do was leave him and be with Jesus. That was it. And I heard, I think Heidi said this, Heidi Baker many years ago, but she said the sign of a true apostle is after you spend time with them, all you wanna do is be with Jesus. And that I believe marks the new level of equipping that's coming into the body of Christ. You receive something amazing from a teacher, from a prophet, from an evangelist, and then all you wanna go is you wanna take that information into the secret place and allow the Lord to cultivate it, allow the Lord to teach you how to steward it, allow the Lord to, to equip you in what it is to become what you've just heard. And that's what I feel. I'm not, gonna, I'm not being too strong in it, but that's what I feel. I feel like there's a redevelopment in this season of what the fivefold, quote unquote, ministry is really all about. And I feel like if we come into a place now where we can't keep on getting wowed by, oh, the next big thing, the next minister, this guy, that guy. Now, I'm not saying that God doesn't make people's names great because He anoints and appoints people. I get that. So I'm not in any way having a go at anyone. But what I'm saying is, and Todd has said this at nauseum um, uh, over the last few years, uh, uh, just saying that, that when something becomes an end to, unto itself, it's finished. And it can't be an end unto itself. It has to be, the ministry has to be an end unto the fullness of a mature man unto Christ. And that's who we're, that's who we're becoming. Are you guys all right? Yeah. Am I being a bit strong or am I okay? You're like, yeah, this is nothing. I know, I'm, I like. <laughs> so, so, so this is really, really interesting then because one of the reasons that I love, who was here for Ian Andrews many, many years ago? So Ian Andrews came and he was a true equipper. He would stand up and he wouldn't even pray for the sick. I don't think I saw him pray for one sick person. 
less one terminal person. He got everyone else to do it. And that, for me, is such an incredible sign of what a true equipping ministry is all about. And I feel like in this next time, this is what it's gonna be about. It's gonna be about a drive for us to, we're talking about broadening at the moment. It's gonna be a drive for us to be able to take on the things that we're being called to take on individually and corporately, but that we would be well-equipped and well-schooled to go and take the thing that we need to take. This is so, so important. And I'm not in any way discounting schools. I'm not in, uh, discounting internships. Of course not. We love all those things. We believe that they're so key, but they're not key if you live in it forever. It's like, hey, Rachel, can I do another 20, my year number 20 of the internship? Rachel be like, get out, go and do the work of the ministry. Does that make sense? And I feel like part of, part of the whole thing is finding our scroll, yes, finding out who we are and what we're being called to do. But even in the midst of that, we already know that we need to go and preach to all nations. We need to make disciples of all nations. We need to heal the sick. We need to be uh, manifesting the wisdom of God to the principalities and powers. We know these things because these are the things that we've already been commissioned to do. And yes, there's part of it that we need to find our scroll in that, but also in the same breath of that. How exciting that we get to change the world with Jesus in this next season. And I'm really, really, really excited to be able to, to move into that. So in the 1970s and the 1980s, that was the introduction. And the 1970s, the 1970s and the 1980s, there was something called the shepherding movement that came across the earth. Who's heard of that? Mm -hmm. And there was a real overemphasis on pastoring. So what happened is that before you did anything, you had to tell your pastor everything, ask your pastor permission, I'm going on holiday, did you ask me permission? Um, I'm thinking of buying a house, did you ask me permission? I'm thinking of doing this. And it became a permission-based culture. And that culture, who, who's familiar with that? That culture bled through the nations of the earth. It started in America, but it bled through the nations, specifically South Africa, churches from South Africa, lots of NCMI movements, um, and then, but really through the whole church. It really did. And what happened is it became an overemphasis and you can still see some of that now in the churches today where people get worried to do anything unless they tell their pastor first. That is not a good representation of good fivefold ministry. So that shows that there isn't a clean level of equipping coming through in terms of, the, in terms of a, an ascension gift of a pastor. Because, well, well, well. Because as we move forward into the things that God wants us to do, what He needs us to do is He needs us to understand that we are free, and yes, we need to seek counsel, but we have to understand that we are free to do the things that we're being called to do. Because if we don't understand or we don't believe that we're free to do them, we will constantly be in a place of paralysis where we won't feel free to move forward because we will feel like we're moving out, not in a place of wisdom. Now, the Bible's very clear. If you seek counsel, plans succeed. It also says in a multitude of counsellors, there's victory and safety. And so there are many different keys, you know, many different biblical keys that we can appropriate as we move forward. But in conjunction with us coming into more of the things that God is speaking to us about, of digesting the things that He's calling us into, we need to have a level of awareness that there could still be leavens from other things that we've experienced in local churches, in apostolic movements that prevent us from actually being free and moving forward. And when we can recognise those, we can actually catch the little foxes, as it were, and say, no, 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 I am free in Christ, in a place of wisdom, you know what I'm saying. I'm free, I can go and 
do whatever I want. You know, it's not licentiousness. I'm just saying there's a place of liberty and freedom where people are free to do what they want. I remember someone came to me and they said, I'm thinking of going here for the weekend. Do you think that that's okay? And I'm like, why on earth are you? I said, are you on anything on a roster? No. Why are you asking me? What, it just seems, it, and they had to have a meeting about it. And I'm like, that is, it, it feels unnecessary. And that's not just one, there are many. And I'm just saying, do you understand what I'm trying to say? Now, now I just think like that we have to understand there's a level of liberty in that. Now, because the, I believe the level of equipping has, has been on in some areas, and not in all areas, I'm not thinking of everyone, you know, it's all been bad, but I'm saying, because I believe it has been quite subpar for a number of years in some areas, what I believe has started to happen is that God has started to show people how He wants to move and what He wants to do. And people, because they're not used to actually weighing and testing what he feels like anymore or what he truly sounds like. I mean, we're talking about judgment words or weighing and testing and all these different things. Then they throw the baby out with the bathwater and they actually reject the very thing that God wants to speak to them about. And this is a really, really important deal. I think I'm gonna unpack that uh, a little uh, next time though. But, but so you have, a, for an example, in Ezekiel chapter three, verses one, um, talking about Ezekiel partaking of his scroll, it says this, then he said to me, son of man, eat what you find, eat this scroll and go to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he fed me this scroll. And he said to me, son of man, feed your stomach and fill your body with this scroll, which I'm giving you. Then I ate it and it was sweet as honey in my mouth. But it says here, son of man, uh, eat what you find, eat this scroll, go to the house of Israel. And it says this, feed your stomach and fill your belly with it. And, I, and I, don't know if you, I don't know if anyone's heard this being spoken about before, but the reality is that you don't just partake of a scroll, you actually have to allow it to fill your belly. And if there is something where you are not used to what it is to get a word and allow that word to become you, to fill your belly, to fill your inward, the word's actually inward parts in the original Hebrew. If you're not accustomed to that, then actually it can be quite scary to allow a word to become you to allow a word to, to fill your inward parts, just like Mary said, be it unto me according to your word. But again, with carrying a word comes carrying a level of responsibility. And as the body of Christ, we are becoming a word to the world. It actually says in 2 Corinthians chapter five, we have become a word of reconciliation, but we actually have to allow that word to fill our inward parts and we become a living epistle. So you are designed to be a living epistle, but the living epistle isn't, hey, how are you going? I've got some great news. Let's hang out and let's talk about everything rosy all the time. Being a living epistle is literally doing what the Father is doing. You're being a spreader of the good news, but you are a word. You are becoming a word of reconciliation for a lost and dying world. And it says in the book of Jude, it says, be merciful to those who doubt and snatch others from the fire. Hapazo them. But you don't hear that preached often from a pulpit. Why? And I'm not saying that, you know, I'm just, I'm giving you an example because even that dynamic can be a little bit too stretching for a, for potentially a body that has been put in cotton wool over the last 20 years. And the word actually, funnily enough, when you say snatch others from the fire is the word hapadzo. Hapadzo them out of hell. That's literally what it says. Okay, <laughs> so, so but, but, but the reason is, but, but as we start to move forward into these things, we start to go, oh my goodness, actually, how, who's ever read the Bible? <laughs> Who was shocked when they read the Bible? I read it sometimes, I'm like, that's in there? That's crazy. Even the New Testament, I read it and I'm like, God, you're crazy. Like, you just, but you don't hear, do you, do you know what I'm saying? But, but we call that the full counsel of Scripture. 
And the full counsel of Scripture requires us to bear a yoke while we carry it. The full counsel of Scripture requires us to bear a yoke. Remember he says, my yoke is easy, my burden light. But there is a yoke that we have to carry, a burden that we have to carry when we administrate and when we partake of the full counsel of Scripture, of the fullness of who we are, There is a yoke that we end up carrying. Yes, it becomes a burden. It's not a heavy burden, I can't get up. God's given me the burden of the world. That's not what it's about. But there is a reality where when you read the Bible and we partake in more of the fullness of the Word that we're becoming, it becomes a place where we become sober. We become sober-minded. When you start to feel, I had a a dream once where my mum was in a house and my my mum was in this house and this house was burning. And I, I was in my dream and I was trying to snatch her out of this fire in this house. And I was cr- screaming to get her out of this thing. And in the dream, I got taken to the gates of hell. So I'm trying to snatch my mum out and I went to the gates of hell. And I could literally feel the breath of evil blowing on my face. And I remember waking up, and this is probably about 15 years ago, my heart was racing. I'd had this encounter. My heart was racing. And I remember just getting up and going, oh my goodness, hell's real, hell's real. I'm ringing my mum, going, mum, you need to, and she's like, you know, drunk and she wasn't listening. Uh, But she did get saved in the end. She got snatched from the fire. She did, on her deathbed. So... But it's funny that when you have, you listen to someone like Bill Wise or Mary Kay Baxter or someone else, that they have had an experience of the reality of a real dimension that exists of hell. Now that, if you look in the full, is, is, is the lake of fire in the Bible? Yes, of course it is. So, but but, but we, when we read it, we don't think, actually, this is a really big deal. Does that make sense? Because God protects us somewhat and sometimes we uh, kind of protect ourselves from it. We're like, lake of fire, lake of fire. Where's that one for I know the plans I have for you? <laughs> that's, the, that's the one. He awakens my ear morning by morning. I set my, he awakens my ear morning by morning. I'll set my alarm for 8.30 tomorrow. That will, God will be really pleased with that. Um, you know, and, and I think what God wants to bring us into now is this reality, and this is why I'm talking about this, because I believe there's a redevelopment of the fivefold ministry coming, and I believe that the Lord is doing it sovereignly over the earth. But what I believe is gonna happen is that there is gonna be an equipping of the saints unto the ministry. And I believe that there will be evangelists going out, snatching people from the gates of hell. I believe that there will be people hearing the voice of the Lord so clearly that they will be literally words of knowledge, words of wisdom to kings and to people on the streets. I just think that we're gonna start to move in power and authority and in the supernatural reality of who we are in Christ like nothing we've ever experienced before. But I believe that it's gonna give us, when we start to do it, a real wake-up call. I believe that will give us a wake-up call. The first time that I ever moved in, in power properly and I saw a demon come out um, actually, the first demon that I ever saw come out was out of me, and it was really good. And I told you the story where I was hissing down a, have I told you that story? I was hissing down a, I'll tell you the story anyway. I was down, going to a, I was in Bible college at the time, and I remember I was going to IGA. Do we have IGA here? Oh, yeah, oh, okay. I, okay, sorry. <laughs> Don't know. I live, in, I live in Pasadena. Why would I go anywhere else? Um, but, but... <laughs> True story. And, uh, but, but, IGA, uh, but I was going to IGA and I was just on the shelves. And I remember going to the shelves to buy some bread. 
And just remember that I've been going, I'm in Bible college, I, I, I've met the Lord, I've been in a place of worship, I have seen an angel, so I'm quite radical, you know, I, radical for where I was anyway, you know. So I was like, wow, you know, this guy's really spirit. And I remember going through the, going through the I, won, I won an award, Super Spiro of the Year, true story, announced in front of a thousand people. And so, and so I just remember going down the, the bread aisle and I remember getting a piece of bread uh, you know, a, a loaf of bread to go and go shopping. And I remember grabbing the bread and, go, and then I just went like this. And I was like, what is that? And then I was like, I just started hissing. And I'm like going, this is not right at all. And then, and then I'm like, okay. So then I'm trying to walk down and I'm trying to get to the, to the checkout. But every time I'm walking, and I'm like, oh my goodness. And I am literally becoming a, a demon serpent as I'm walking down the, down the road. Uh, down the, through the shopping centre. So I don't think I even bought the food because I remember just running out and hissing. And I remember ringing my friend Mick Mooney. And I said, Mick, I need your help right now. I said, bring Stephen Morris. Uh, they might even be watching this, probably not. But there was a guy called <laughs> Stephen Morris. And the reason I wanted Stephen Morris there was because he's so big. He was a real butch guy. And they were Bible college students. And they said, what's up? And I said, I need you to come to my house now. We've got an emergency. And he goes, oh, no worries. You know, what's the emergency? Bible college students ready for action, you know. And he comes around and I'm sitting, sitting quietly on the sofa. And then they said, what's happening? And I said, um, you need to drive out a demon. I'm demon possessed. <laughs> and they went, no, you're not. And before he could even say that, I started screaming, hissing, ah, you'll never get me, all this stuff. And I tried to... <laughs> Tried to throw myself out the balcony, but the door was shut. No, no joke. Then they grabbed me, put me on the floor, and then they did their full, like, come out, you know, as best that they possibly could with very little authority and, <laughs> and a lot of screaming. And, and by the end, I think I was more exhausted than the, the demon was more exhausted than all of us. I was exhausted. Stephen was exhausted. Probably took about four hours. They ended up coming out in the end. But the reason I'm telling you that story is because I remember the first feeling of me having a demon and as it contorted my mouth and started to come out of my, it's okay, don't worry. I think most of them are gone now. Um, <laughs> but when it started to contort, I remember being, having the same sort of feeling as I did when I was at the gates of hell. This is real. This is something real. I'm experiencing now a demon that is taking over my body, trying to throw me off a balcony. This is real. And that's what I feel like. I think sometimes, because I've been in many churches for many years, you know, I've been, been around, around for a while now. Many of you guys have too. But I feel like sometimes we subdue or we kind of cotton wool a lot of stuff around the equipping stuff when we prepare people for whatever. That's why I love um, Tuesday nights here. And I, I love every night here. But the Tuesday nights, you know, six months ago when we just had to get the vomit bags because we'd just get up, an angel would come and the demons would just come shrieking out of people. Now that... Is Christianity. How do you know? Read the Gospels. That's what it looked like. And that's what I'm saying to you, that when we get equipped into the fullness of who we are in Christ and what we carry in Christ, we start to get equipped into the reality that we are in a spiritual war and we are designed to see the enemy displaced in every area as the kingdom of heaven is established in those, in those regions. And that's the, that's the call of the church. We're, we're designed to say the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Well, I'll just put one more scripture up and then I'll, then I'll leave it and I'll continue next time. But, but um, Luke chapter 10, verse 18, it says this. And he said, I'll just read it to you. 
you can put it up. Oh, you're so quick, Ben, wow. And he, said, and he said to them, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on scorpions, uh, serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, nothing will injure you. And I love this. Jesus said, I saw, oh yeah, yeah, let's leave that. And it says, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And this is another thing, again, that Jesus is sending people out, but he's again re- re-emphasising the, the eternal mission that they are on the, of the administration of, invis- of an invisible world into this world. And again, I feel like this is what God is speaking to us in this, in this hour is there is going to be immense teaching unto the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. There is gonna be an amazing equipping in the area of evangelism unto the saints becoming the word of reconciliation for the lost and dying world. There is gonna be an incredible move of the prophets, the, the ascension offices of the prophet to help people hear the voice of the Lord and help them prophesy for the edification and the building up of the body of Christ and to help them ascend into heavenly places in a place of revelatory understanding, prophetic teaching helps us to identify and to occupy those places that we are already living in in order that we can administrate from there onto the earth. So that's it, the same as the apostolic. What does the apostolic do? The apostolic teaches us to be apostolic, teaches us to take territory. The apostolic is a territory Take it. People say, well, what's an apostle? Apostle is a church planner. An apostle is, a, is, a, is, is an ascension gift which is designed to create heaven on earth. That's literally what it is. It's to take heaven and to plant it on earth and to teach others to do the same. That is what the apostolic ministry is. It's, the, it's behold, the, the kingdom of heaven has been fastened to this place. And yes, it's through planting of churches, but it's through territory taking. It's an atmospheric change. That's what it's all about. What does it look like? So when we teach you about atmosphere change, that's actually an apostolic function. It's actually changing from one thing. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is so, so cool because the kingdom of heaven is then overshadowing that place, just like how the kingdom of heaven overshadowed Peter and people would bring the sick. They didn't bring it because of Peter, they brought it because the kingdom was overshadowing him. Do you understand what I'm saying? It was an overshadowing of who he really was. So it's just so, so cool. So, so, hmm. Yeah, exactly, that's what I was thinking. I feel like God wants to bring us into a place of boldness, courage and confidence to be able to receive more of who we are, more of what we're being called to do. And to, I think, I think to get out of some of the less helpful MOs or models of equipping that we've been in on occasion and understanding that it's not, Christianity was never about feeling good. Ever. In fact, it doesn't say nearly any place in the Bible, get ready, you're going to feel really, really amazing. In fact, Jesus says in John 14, in this world you have many trouble, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. And so, but, but what I'm saying is that I'm not saying that we can't experience incredible joy, the inexpressible joy that Peter talks about, but in the midst of all of that, I feel like God is saying that there is gonna be a sobriety that comes to the body of Christ as we are equipped and there will be an incredible realm of joy as we start to experience who we actually are and what we're actually called to do in this next season. Is that good? Awesome. Do you wanna just put up the, put up the, um, uh, put up the, if you wanna put the pads on, that would be awesome. And we're just gonna grab your communion quickly.
Worship was amazing, wasn't it? So good. Spirit, we just thank you so much for the new day. We thank you for the new era that we are in on the earth. We thank you for everything that's been accomplished at the cross. We thank you that even now we're moving up into a new level of administration of that. We thank you, God, that we are being equipped for the work of service. Father, we thank you that you have called your body, your church, to be a service to mankind. And we thank you, God, for this this opportunity that we have to be bridges and ministers of reconciliation. And so, Father, we thank you that even in this next hour, we thank you that so many people will come to know you. So many people will come to know you as a result of your body coming into full form in the name of Jesus. And we thank you that in conjunction with that, many people will start to find their fit in the body as we are all well equipped to come into more of the fullness of the calling. If it's an office of the office, if it's a calling in, of the calling that you predestined for us to walk out before the beginning of time. And I believe that there is gonna be such a profound uh, calling over teachers in this next season. The Lord's been speaking to me about teachers so often. And the reason he's been talking to me about teachers is I feel like him saying that one of the things that one of the downsides has been there's been a lack of teachers actually teaching who we are in Christ and what we're called to do. And that is the primary role of a teacher, not to just do uh, just not to just systematically work through the Bible and, and do a historical context of the Bible, but to actually identify what the Bible says about who we are and then teaching people how to become what the Bible says about them. And that's what I believe that that's going to be a move of revelatory teaching that comes across the nations, I believe, in this next season. And so we honour that right now. We receive that. And we thank you for everything you did at the cross in Jesus' name. That's good. On Sunday night, I talked about David talked about 1 Samuel chapter 17 and about David being equipped to slay Goliath and I believe that in this next season in this next time and I always say that but but it's really a now word I believe that we are going to find ourselves operating as worship warriors unlike anything we've ever experienced and I don't believe it's just going to be for one person I believe the whole body is going to come up into an experience and an administration of being worship warriors that see principalities displaced, mountains come crumbling down and territories taken for the glory of Jesus. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Well, bless you guys. Have a good uh, rest of the week. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday morning, 10.30. It's gonna be awesome. Hope you enjoyed the service. Goodbye to those people on live stream. We look forward to seeing you.